1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
3: When something like this happens, when somebody goes missing, you want answers. But this case is incredibly unique. When you started to dig a little bit deeper, nothing is what it seems.
2: Suzanne Morphew went missing on Mother's Day in May of 2020, and from there on out, it became a nationwide search for her. Suzanne Morphew left for a bike ride, and she never came back. She has two beautiful daughters. The family looks to be perfect from the outside. Every picture you saw of them, they were smiling, they're laughing, they're looking like they love each other. She grew up in Indiana, she came to Colorado, and she began to mountain bike.
4: We see pictures of a beautiful woman, an active, physically fit woman, taking advantage of the mountains.
3: Barry Morphew was a business owner. He was an avid hunter and a man's man. On May 9th, Barry was very happy because there had been some marital tension, but not on May 9th.
1: All we have to go on is what Barry says occurred.
3: That's right. Barry says they had a nice dinner together. They even made love, and then they went to sleep, and she was still sleeping the next morning when he left for work.
1: So the next day, Mother's Day, the daughters are out on a camping trip. Did that strike people as
2: odd? Family had told investigators that it was odd that their daughters would not be with their mom. She didn't have anything else to do, and all of a sudden... Her daughters and her husband are both gone.
4: Barry Morphe said he texted his wife, Suzanne, to wish her a happy Mother's Day. He received no reply. He had contact with his daughters, back and forth, can't get a hold of mother. And then someone contacted a neighbor.
2: Right. The neighbor had told Barry that her car's here, she was not home. And Barry says, well, maybe go look for her bike because she's an avid mountain biker. The neighbor said he could not find it.
4: Local law enforcement responds to the scene, and they do find her bicycle. Where was that bike? It's right over here, Peter. The bike was found at the bottom of this ravine right here. The initial thought is kidnapping. Oh, Suzanne, if anyone is out
1: there that can hear this, that has you, we will do whatever it takes to bring you back. So about 10 days into the investigation, they learn about a piece of technology that we have an example of right in front of you, what is that?
2: Right, so they find a spy pen, it looks something like this, and they find it in the master bedroom of the Morphew home. It's like James Bond, it's a pen that looks like a regular pen, and it records
3: conversations.
4: This spy pen was given to Suzanne to record Barry Morphew in hopes of catching him in an affair. It backfired, in fact. As a matter of fact, it backfired. Captured on the spy pen
3: is a conversation between Suzanne Morphew and somebody named Jeff. And it's clear that Jeff is her lover.
4: They did not know who Jeff was, but it put a new wrinkle into the case for sure. What happened on this road is a real mystery. No one knows where is Suzanne?
1: In the days, weeks and months after Suzanne Morphew was reported missing, on Mother's Day 2020, her trail went cold. But the mother of two's disappearance had become the biggest story in Colorado. 49-year-old Suzanne Morphew remains missing.
5: Home of a missing woman from Chafee County is now being searched.
1: Teams are combing the terrain, even brought in boats to search the local waterways.
4: And we're gonna fan out, and we're gonna work that area very carefully, okay?
1: Four months in, Suzanne's brother, Andrew Mormon organized a citizen search. He said he felt he had to do something, anything.
4: I'd hope to find her alive, and and at some point, you have to realize when somebody's missing after so long, that the uh, chances of that diminished dramatically.
1: The thought that Suzanne may have been abducted hit the peaceful, picturesque town of Salida
4: hard. I came home every day, and my wife asked me, have they found her yet? Dan Reidenauer has covered the story for his local morning show. Hippie Radio 97.5 with Dan Our Good morning 827 Barry and Suzanne Morphew were not known well in Salida, Colorado. They had only been here for a couple of years. Before moving to
1: Colorado in 2018, Barry and Suzanne grew up in the small town of Alexandria, Indiana, where they met in high school. Suzanne competed for homecoming queen. Barry was a star baseball player who was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. Injury ended Barry's dreams of a major league career. They both attended Purdue University and married in 1994. He started a landscaping business. Suzanne taught middle school before becoming a full-time mother.
4: They had a couple of daughters, one in college and they had a, a daughter in high school. Macy, 16
1: years old when her mom disappeared, lived at home. Her sister, Mallory, attended college, and the Morpheus told some friends they moved to a home just outside of Salida to be closer to their older daughter. But there were also rumblings about the state of the Morpheus' marriage.
4: Maybe a new place, a new home, new scenery around them would strengthen their family and therefore strengthen their marriage.
1: But the move did not appear to improve the relationship. It was a tough time, says her sister, Melinda Mormon.
6: My sister had um, sent me a text message. It was very lengthy. It was very powerful. It was very revealing.
1: In this Zoom interview, Melinda said she received Suzanne's text two days before she disappeared, and it was boiling over with anger toward Barry. The text read in part he's also been abusive emotionally and physically. I feel more angry now, anger at what I've allowed.
6: Barry was very dominant in the relationship and my sister was a very passive, gentle soul. He had a great tendency to overpower and intimidate people to get what he wanted.
1: And what kind of boss was he? You know, he was real quiet, stern. Knew what he was doing because that's what he did in Indiana. Cody Cox was part of Barry's landscaping crew for nearly two years when Barry first arrived in Colorado. I talked pretty highly about Barry because I was with him all the time. and He's like inspiration to me almost. He was a real cool guy. Cody said he regularly heard Barry talking to Suzanne as they drove in Barry's truck.
3: They seemed to communicate pretty well and I could hear almost every phone call he had.
1: And he says he met Suzanne a handful of times. She even made cookies for his wife and kids. She is a sweetheart. She is a real kind lady. She's almost like an angel, like something you'd see off a Hallmark movie, you know, it's like real nice, almost too perfect. So when I heard about the news,
2: I didn't believe it. I heard it actually on the radio. And I was like, did they just say Suzanne? And I was like, oh my gosh. Who would even want to hurt her?
1: The first day authorities searched for Suzanne, they found her mountain bike close to the Morphew home.
4: Where was the mountain bike found? It was found right over this little cliff right here, resting on these boulders. She was new at mountain biking, so an accident is certainly plausible. I would only ask, where's Suzanne? She would have been injured, yeah?
1: She would have been injured. Was there clothing found down here? Nothing. Was her helmet found down here? No. Investigators believe the scene was staged, and days later, they discovered Suzanne's helmet roughly a mile away off Highway 50.
4: The helmet was found on the south side of the road, this side of the road, which would be to our left.
1: So is the thought somebody threw it out of a window, perhaps?
4: That's the thinking,
1: yes. It appeared as though Suzanne could have been abducted and that's when Barry made that public plea. Please, we'll do whatever it takes to bring you back. In those early days, Barry had a theory about what happened to Suzanne that he shared with Tyson Draper, who has his own YouTube channel. I'm
4: from, I'm from Arizona. Okay.
6: Um, so, what happened?
1: Okay. They happened to meet at the site where Suzanne's mountain bike was found and Tyson secretly videotaped Barry. The first night there was a mountain lion, the officer seen it, walk by the car. So we thought maybe she got attacked by a lion. A mountain lion killed her?
4: If that happened, there would have been signs of that. There would have been blood. There would have been struggle. So that was a very short-lived speculation.
1: Authorities began to doubt that Suzanne even took a bike ride, especially after her sunglasses and hydration backpack were found in her car. Investigators also found her driver's license and credit cards in her Range Rover. But her cell phone was missing. Did Barry Morphew cooperate with investigators during the course of this?
2: He had been interviewed by investigators through the course of it and he talked to investigators almost every time 11 news reporter ashley franco is live at the chafee county court ashley
1: <laughs> franco a reporter for the cbs affiliate the in colorado springs has read the police documents in the case and she says barry has repeatedly told the same story he came home around 3 p.m on may 9th 2020 and had a pleasant evening with suzanne The next morning, Mother's Day, Barry says he drove to a job some three hours away.
2: He says the last time he sees his wife is when she's sleeping in their bed.
1: As investigators began trying to verify Barry's alibi, they were pulled in a new direction. Suzanne's spy pen had surfaced with that intimate conversation. Now they needed to figure out the identity of Jeff, Suzanne's lover.
2: Could this man have had something to do with Suzanne's disappearance?
1: It was just days after Suzanne Morphew went missing when investigators make that intriguing discovery.
3: They discover a spy
1: pen. A spy pen? A spy pen. Aya Gruber is a professor of law at the University of Colorado and a former defense attorney. She has closely studied all the public investigative files in the Morphew case. She knows it was not easy for investigators to find Suzanne's secret lover, a man named Jeff.
3: She hid that affair so well that it took agents... Six months to find the man she was having an affair with.
1: Jeff turned out to be Jeff Libler, and he had a wife and six children in Michigan, where he lived. He and Suzanne had a one-time fling after high school. Decades passed until Suzanne reached out to Jeff out of the blue in 2018.
2: When Suzanne and Barry moved to Colorado, Suzanne messaged him on Facebook.
1: And what did she message him?
2: Howdy, stranger. And from that moment, they had talked almost every single day, nonstop.
1: In the months after Suzanne went missing, Jeff kept quiet. He only began cooperating after he was located by investigators, who learned Jeff had taken steps to hide the nearly two-year affair. What he did was
3: delete all his social media accounts that he had used to communicate with Suzanne. He's got a lot to lose. If revelations of this affair come
1: out. Jeff told agents he only took those steps because he did not want to tarnish Suzanne's memory and worried he might lose his family and job. He was also worried agents considered him a suspect.
3: He asked the agents, am I a target?
1: Although he did not come forward on his own, Jeff did assist agents after they found him. He agreed to provide access to his DNA, phone records, and his passwords for those deleted accounts. By looking through the couple's iCloud accounts and phone records, agents were able to piece together their relationship, including the times they met in person.
2: Investigators also found that Suzanne, on several instances, had gone on vacation to meet up with Jeff in many different states, ranging from Louisiana to Florida.
1: Investigators also discovered they'd sent intimate photos to each other, talked of becoming husband and wife, and even mentioned leaving the United States.
2: Jeff and Suzanne had talked about moving away, moving to Ecuador at one point.
1: If you were an investigator instead of a law professor, what would you want to know about this Jeff Libler?
3: Everything. I'd want to know everything about what he was doing, what he was thinking. Here is somebody who arguably had the last communication with Suzanne before she went missing.
1: The love affair between Suzanne and Jeff became a key part of the investigation as agents tried to figure out what happened to her on that Saturday, May 9th, the day before Mother's Day. Records show that Suzanne and Jeff messaged each other 59 times that day, much more than usual, authorities say. At one point, Suzanne sends Jeff this selfie. Investigators dub it her last proof-of-life photo. Barry was not home as the lover's texts heat up. At 2.05 p.m., Suzanne writes, I'm just in love with you. What you up to? Jeff's response at 2.06 p.m., Want to strip down and get naked? LOL? She responds by saying she'll load up her WhatsApp account, and then at 2.11, Suzanne writes, Okay, I'm on WA. Then, at 2.26 p.m., Suzanne gets a text from Barry that he's heading home. Done. Headed back. No one knows if Suzanne saw that text or was preoccupied with Jeff, but she does not answer. Barry follows up appearing to wonder where Suzanne is. Did you leave? There was still no response from Suzanne and investigators speculate the next few moments are when Barry returned home. They noticed that Barry's cell phone appears to be pinging all around the outside of his house. Was he chasing Suzanne before a final and fatal confrontation? Investigators asked Barry to explain that unusual phone activity.
3: And he says, well, let me think about that. I was probably walking around my house shooting chipmunks.
1: You heard right. It was perhaps the world's first chipmunk alibi. Barry says the chipmunks were a constant nuisance at his house, and he'd been running around shooting them that day.
3: And then that confession to shooting chipmunks becomes a major piece of incriminating evidence against him. Because... Because they're saying, well, you know, now he's admitting to having run around the house and this is a ridiculous explanation. So it must be the explanation of a guilty person.
1: There was no evidence of any chipmunk shootings around Barry's house. Part of his problem, Aya says, is that Barry granted between 30 and 40 interviews, all without a lawyer, to everyone from a county detective to members of the FBI. Would you uh, have allowed him to do all these interviews? Yeah. Absolutely not. Meanwhile, Jeff Libler was cleared. He told agents he was in Michigan that weekend and his alibi checked out. When investigators tell Barry of the affair, he denies knowing anything about it. But if Barry knew nothing about Suzanne's affair, what motive would he have to kill her? One clue may be a deleted text that investigators found on Barry's phone, sent by Suzanne just days before. I'm done, I could care less what you're up to and have been for years. We just need to figure this out civilly.
4: So the only thing that makes sense is that Barry Few lost it when Suzanne finally said, I'm leaving him. Barry knew that his daughters would be
1: away on their camping trip that Saturday afternoon. And authorities say he took advantage of that opportunity to kill Suzanne and clean up the crime scene from 2:47 p.m. until 10:17 p.m. just under 8 hours Barry's phone goes into airplane mode. What do authorities believe was happening during that time?
2: Authorities say that they believe when his phone went into airplane mode that he was disposing of possible evidence.
1: Unable to track Barry's cell phone, investigators tapped into a relatively new investigative technique, digital vehicle forensics, to pull a stream of data out of Barry's Ford truck. And Barry's truck told a different story than what he was telling investigators.
2: They were using Barry's own car against him.
1: Do you believe Barry Morphew's chipmunk alibi? Chat now with the 48
4: Hours team on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
0: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get
4: any better than this.
1: Ben Lemire is an expert in the new field of vehicle forensics. Give me a sense of how your technology from your company helps solve criminal cases. So a lot of times it's used to you know, locate bodies. Lemire is the CEO of the Birla Corporation. Helps uh, get people convicted and um, it's helped get people not convicted. Investigators from Scotland Yard to the FBI have learned how to use Burla's software to tap into the dozens of computers in a car. It's accurate enough to be used as evidence in court cases, correct? Yes, sir, it's uh, it's
4: used every day in cases around the world.
1: Cases like the disappearance of Suzanne Morphew. Investigators created a Burla report, meaning they tapped into the data in Barry's Ford truck to track its movements after his cell phone went into airplane mode.
3: A couple of the pieces of evidence that I think are very harmful to his case um, come from the data in the car.
2: The prosecution's case is that Barry snapped at one point, the day before Mother's Day.
1: Authorities believe Barry killed Suzanne that afternoon. He told agents he went to bed around 8 p.m. that night, but the data pulled from the truck shows that the truck was put in reverse and moved some 96 feet closer to his house around 9.30 p.m.
2: Investigators think that's when he could have loaded Suzanne's body.
1: Initially, Barry told police that he set his alarm for 4.30 a.m. on Mother's Day and left the house by five to drive to a job site in Broomfield, a town near Denver, 150 miles from Salida. But the truck's computers show that someone was opening and closing the truck's doors around 3.30 a.m. Investigators believe Barry began driving toward Broomfield much earlier than he claimed, but there is a four hour window approximately 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., when no activity was recorded by the vehicle's computers.
3: There are events in the car that aren't recorded, so they can't give sort of a full chronological picture.
1: And if Barry hid Suzanne's body during that four-hour window, the truck's data does not provide answers. Why is data missing sometimes? Well, it gets overwritten. Um, You know, it is a computer, and, you know, log files... They only last so long. But Barry helped fill in some of the missing data. He told agents he took a left upon leaving his home instead of a right because even though it was dark, he remembered seeing some
2: elk. He saw a herd of elk and he's a hunter, so he was interested and he wanted to get an up-close look.
1: That admission was significant to agents because it put him in an area where a key piece of evidence had been recovered.
2: Investigators found Suzanne's bike helmet up that road, so they believe at that point when he turned left instead of turning right that he could have been ditching her bike helmet.
1: At 8.10 on Mother's Day morning, the truck's computers again began recording data. And by then, Barry's cell phone had also come back to life agents are able to track Barry's cell and truck movements and can see that he first pulled over at this broomfield bus stop where he discarded something in a garbage can
2: and then he moves on to a hotel trash can a mcdonald's trash can a dumpster in a men's warehouse parking lot and then back to the hotel and dump stuff in a dumpster there investigators believe that during these trash runs he was disposing of evidence in different places within the Denver area.
1: This is a surveillance shot of Barry on one of those trash runs, but investigators could not see what he was throwing away. It may have looked incriminating, but Barry claims it was just another day at the office. He told agents he was merely being cheap, not criminal. And his claim, well, I just always have a lot of junk in in the vehicle. I don't like to pay to have it. Uh, disposed at a landfill. I. This is just what I do.
2: But it's suspicious that you would go to five different trash areas to dispose of several things. Why not just do it at one?
1: After checking out the work site, Barry headed back to his room at the Holiday Inn. And investigators say he stayed there from 1242 to 603 p.m. By then, he'd already spoken to older daughter Mallory, who told him she could not get in touch with her mother. That's when the Morphew neighbors were contacted and could find no sign of Suzanne.
4: Barry asked them at that time if the bike was there to go check on her. Her bicycle is not here. Barry asked his neighbor to call 911. And that's when the call to 911 was placed that Suzanne is missing.
2: Barry doesn't head home immediately, and he is dropping some tools off for his co-workers.
1: Tools, including a shovel. With Suzanne now officially reported missing, Barry tells his workers there's a family emergency and arranges hotel rooms with one of those workers taking over Barry's room.
2: When the employee was interviewed, he told investigators that the room that Barry checked out of It had a strong smell of chlorine or bleach.
1: Which suggests what?
2: That he could be cleaning up a crime scene.
1: Just after 6 p.m., Barry starts driving back to Salida. On the way, Barry speaks to sheriff's deputies who advise him they found Suzanne's bike, and he arrives at that ravine at around 8.40 p.m.
2: And investigators say that when he arrived there, he was pretty emotional for a few minutes.
1: By Sunday night, Suzanne's daughters were back home, but Suzanne is nowhere to be found.
5: No questions asked, however much they want.
1: Barry offered a $100,000 reward for information that was later doubled to $200,000. Investigators later discovered many texts from Suzanne to a close friend that apparently revealed her tormented feelings about Barry. He won't speak of divorce. I feel no peace when he's here. I wouldn't feel safe alone with him. Barry became the prime suspect, and investigators think they know how he killed Suzanne. Off, the While investigators searched the Morphew home and the family's cars and trucks, Barry continued to talk seemingly to anyone with a badge. Weeks and months went by, and Barry remained at the center of the investigation.
3: Police are absolutely correct as a statistical matter to look at intimate partners when they suspect that a woman might have been
1: harmed, or murdered. It's something like eight out of 10 times when a spouse dies, the other one's involved. Absolutely. Sometimes the smallest item will turn an investigation. And in this case, agents seized on this clear plastic cap that a forensics team had found in the family's dryer. And the
3: cap was to a syringe that's used to fill a dart that you would use to tranquilize, say, animals.
1: How do prosecutors interpret that?
3: The prosecution's theory is that at some point, when Barry came home on the 9th and snapped and decided to murder Suzanne, he used a tranquilizer dart that you would use on animals.
1: There was no working tranquilizer rifle found in the Morpheus home. But Barry told investigators he was an experienced tranquilizer dart gun shooter. He knew how to load darts with paralyzing chemicals, having used them to illegally sedate deer and remove their antlers to sell. This is a photo of the inside of Barry's garage with his collection of deer heads and a pile of antlers. We asked
4: Dan Reidenauer to read some of what Barry told investigators. Barry said, the first thing I thought of when I came here and saw a deer in my yard with big horns, I'm like I'm getting them horns, and I'll tell you exactly what I did. I shoot them. They go to sleep. I cut their horns off. It's totally illegal, but you're going to find trank darts around my property because I've done that. Experts say
1: it can take between 4 and 20 minutes for an animal the size of a deer to drop after being shot with a tranquilizer dart. Agents theorized that Barry's phone had pinged from various locations around the house, not because he was shooting chipmunks, but because he was chasing Suzanne after he shot her.
2: Investigators find a doorframe within the Morphew home that has been broken, and they say that there could have been a chase and then a struggle.
1: And what are you holding? What I'm holding is a teledot. Model uh, 706 rifle. They use this a lot in parks throughout the country. Andrew Caters, owner and CEO of Animal Care and Equipment Services, showed us a tranquilizer rifle he'd typically use on animals. And this does not fire bullets or shot. Only
4: fires darts. It's impossible to get it to do anything else.
1: This dart cap appears similar to the clear plastic cap agents described finding in Barry's house. Could you now demonstrate for me? Sure. So if Suzanne had been struck by one of these darts... It's right here. Would she have time to run around, try to escape?
4: She could, but I don't think she would get very far.
1: For a human being, it could be lethal. For sure bolstering the theory that Barry and Suzanne had a confrontation the day she disappeared were apparent scratches seen on Barry's left arm. Agents took the circumstantial evidence they gathered, Barry's apparent suspicious behavior, his contradictory statements, the puzzling data from his truck, Suzanne's disturbing texts and those five trash runs and brought it all to the district attorney. On nearly the anniversary of Suzanne's disappearance, Barry is arrested...
6: The moment captured on a cell phone by a passerby.
1: ...in May 2021. Tonight, the husband of Suzanne Morphew is behind bars accused of killing her. The Chafee County Sheriff says Barry Morphew was arrested this morning. Suzanne's body has never been found, and prosecutors assume she's dead. Despite the lack of a body, Barry was charged with first-degree murder, tampering with physical evidence, and a variety of other allegations. He was held without bail and eventually pleaded not guilty. In their arrest affidavit, prosecutors spelled out what they believe happened to Suzanne. It had become clear that Barry could not control Suzanne's insistence on leaving him. And he resorted to something he has done his entire life, hunt and control Suzanne like he had hunted and controlled animals. Suzanne's sister, Melinda, reacted to the news of Barry's arrest.
6: There are no winners in this story. There are two families who are suffering deeply.
1: Barry ultimately hired high profile lawyers from Denver. And in the summer of 2021, Judge Patrick Murphy heard the prosecution's evidence in open court.
2: He decided to hold a preliminary hearing to see if this case had enough evidence to go to trial.
1: The defense tried mightily to blunt the state's case, countering that the clear plastic cap found in the dryer means nothing because no one could say how long it had been there. Furthermore, Suzanne's DNA was found on the cap, not Barry's. And as for that chlorine smell in Barry's hotel room?
3: One of the managers from the Holiday Inn had actually communicated to agents that this smell of chlorine existed before Barry Murphy was there because that room's directly above an indoor pool.
1: And there was one more crucial issue the prosecution had to deal with, one that its own forensic team uncovered. DNA evidence made public for the first time now threatened to destroy the case against Barry.
3: This DNA discovery is so significant. The agents swabbed the inside of Suzanne Morphew's car, and they found male DNA on the glove box. And it wasn't Barry Morphew's DNA. He was eliminated.
1: The DNA also did not match Suzanne's lover, Jeff Libler but it was a partial match to the DNA of an unknown male who had attacked other women, and it raised a disturbing question. Had Suzanne fallen into the hands of a sexual predator? As implausible as it may sound.
3: It takes on a really different light when you look at this DNA evidence, and all of a sudden the seemingly implausible becomes more possible.
1: Go inside the Suzanne Morphew case at 48hours.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of
5: figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down
1: roots... Trust Amika Home Insurance. Amica, Empathy
5: is our best policy.
7: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
1: In September 2021, at the Chafee County Courthouse in Salida, Judge Patrick Murphy heard arguments about whether there was enough evidence to try Barry Morphew for murder.
2: The judge named off three different scenarios, saying Suzanne Morphew left willingly, Barry Morphew could have killed his wife, or someone else abducted Suzanne and killed her.
1: He said it was unlikely Suzanne had run off on her own, even though she and lover Jeff Libler had discussed moving to Ecuador.
2: The judge says that because of the evidence that's been presented about how loving Suzanne was toward her daughters and toward her family, that she could never do that.
1: But the abduction theory could not be so easily dismissed, especially after that mysterious DNA was found in Suzanne's Range Rover. Investigators learned that DNA at least partially matched the profile of an unnamed man connected to three unsolved sexual assault cases in Tempe, Phoenix, and Chicago. So how can that DNA end up in her car?
3: Well, that DNA can end up in her car if she was the victim, for example, of a serial killer, or if the person was hired or it was opportunistic. There could also be potentially an innocent explanation that at some point, you know, the person came in contact with the car randomly as a mechanic, but it is very, very curious.
1: Barry, more few can stand up and say, I'm not your killer. The man whose DNA is in my wife's car tied to past sexual assaults, that's your killer.
2: Barry Morphew absolutely could say that. And that's what his defense is banking on in this case.
1: In frank language, Judge Murphy gave his opinion of the state's evidence. I find that the proof is not evident, nor is the presumption great that Mr. Morphew committed first degree murder. Despite that, the judge ruled there was probable cause to go to trial.
3: But this judge was very careful to say, look, I'm finding probable cause here, but it's only because I am looking at all the evidence in the light most favorable
2: to the prosecution.
1: Murphy said he was obligated to set bond for Barry.
2: The judge says $500,000 cash only bond.
1: And are they monitoring him in some fashion?
2: Barry Morphew is wearing an ankle monitor for them to track him to make sure that he is staying in Chafee County.
1: A few days later, on September 20th, 2021, Barry Morphew and daughters Mallory and Macy are all smiles as they leave the jail. They stand firmly behind their dad. Barry had talked to scores of investigators since his wife's disappearance, but through his lawyers, he declined to be interviewed or to make a statement to us citing court rules and orders. In October 2021, Barry Morphew's civil attorneys announced a daring move. They intend to file a civil lawsuit claiming that prosecutors and investigators intentionally withheld exculpatory evidence that may have pointed to Barry's innocence.
2: According to this letter of intent to sue, it says that Prosecutors presented defense attorneys with evidence that they got after the preliminary hearing, saying that they now know the person who this DNA matches.
1: Nothing else about this unnamed person or his whereabouts on the day Suzanne went missing has been released publicly.
3: This is a hard case for the prosecution.
4: People are looking for that smoking gun. People are very concerned that once this goes to a jury that they'll not be able to find him guilty.
3: This case is really about the limits that the criminal legal system has to give us closure. When somebody goes missing who's beloved and has children, you want the bad guy to be held accountable. But in some cases, they are just mysteries.
1: Suzanne's sister Melinda says she thinks about Barry a lot and wishes he would just tell the truth about what happened between him and Suzanne.
6: Please do the right thing, Gary. Please do the right thing.
1: And Melinda wants her nieces to know one thing about their mother.
6: Mallory, Macy, your mother would have laid down her life for you girls. She would never leave you. She would never forsake you. She loved you with her whole being.
0: Kendhammer murdered his wife.
1: Yes, he reported the truck lost a pipe and it hit his wife, and none of his story is true. He caused her death and tried to cover it up.
0: What do you want people to know about your father?
6: He didn't do this. He deserves to come home.
4: 48 hours. Saturday on CBS.